People everywhere love a good story. No doubt you've read some of the classic stories of the past. The one by Ernest Hemingway, The Old Man and the Sea. Maybe you read a well-known play by William Shakespeare, Macbeth. Maybe you've even read some of the stories by C.S. Lewis, made popular of recent days, the Narnia stories. We read those as our children grew up in our home. We read through them and provided great opportunities for us to teach them some truths from the Bible in story form. They've become a movie of late and many people have have seen them. Another one that has become a movie by J.R. Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings. Well-known videos in our day. These represent just a small number of well-known stories from history that people have loved and admired. They pale in comparison and contrast to the stories that we find recorded in God's Word, the Bible. The story of Job, the rich man, whom God allowed Satan to destroy everything he had, And then in the end, restored back to him twice what the devil had destroyed. That story, the story of Job, many literary critics acclaim as the greatest short story ever written. If you haven't read it, read it. It's a great story. How about the story of Abraham? We have looked just briefly at it over the past few weeks, and we'll look at it again at some point in the future. A great story of God calling a man from idolatry and moving him and his family to a new land and giving to them the land and using him and his family as the means through which he would restore sinners like you and like me. Provides a great story. How about the story of Esther? The queen who dared to go in to see her husband, the king, contrary to all rules of the kingdom and plead on behalf of her children and her family and her race the Jewish people who faced extermination and she went in not knowing whether she would live or not and she said if I, if I perish I perish but I will at least go and try to defend and protect my people well there are many stories in the scriptures that we could name that are beautiful stories but the greatest story of all in the scriptures describes the savior of sinners the Lord Jesus that story supersedes all stories whether taken from the scriptures or whether taken from the pen of men and women It exceeds all other stories. And we find recorded in the scriptures starting in Genesis chapter 1, going all the way through the very last chapter in the last book, Revelation chapter 22, we find recorded the ages-long story of God's plan of redemption and restoration of His creation. 
and of mankind like you and like me. It started perfectly, as you will recall. He spoke everything into creation, into six days, including man. And at the end he said, he looked at it and called it good. Very good. He created a garden for Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman in which to live. A place where he could come down and reside with them, and walk with them, and talk with them. Oh, sadly, they sinned. And they rebelled against God, and we've looked at their sin and their rebellion. And when they sinned against God and broke his command to refrain from eating the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, after they ate of it, God in his grace and in his mercy sought them out and came to them and gave them a promise and said, I will give you a promise. I will send someone, the seed of the woman, who will crush the serpent. And that storyline has progressed throughout all of Scripture. And we looked recently at how God called out Abram, the idol worshiper from Ur of the Chaldees. And he called him and his family out and said, If you follow me, I will take you and give you a new land. And you'll have many progeny, like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. And I will be your God and you will be my people. As he made those promises and assurances to Abraham, he told them of a time when his family would go down into Egypt and they would reside there and become oppressed by the people of Egypt and would become their servants and slaves to them for 400 years. But he promised Abraham, at the end of 400 years, I will bring them out and take them to their land. We find recorded in Exodus chapter 6, the setting for our study today, God coming to Moses, and through Moses to the children of Israel, still captive in the land of Egypt. Reminding them of the promise that he had made to Abraham centuries previously. Reminding them of that promise that he would take them out, that he would redeem them. And announce to them the time had come when he would redeem them. If you have scriptures, it's in Exodus chapter 6. I will read just a few verses that will serve as the setting for our study this morning. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For by a strong hand shall he let them go, and by a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Now up to this point, you will remember, God through Moses and Aaron had brought a series of plagues upon the Egyptians because the Pharaoh refused to let them go. You can read about those in the first five chapters of Exodus. We won't take time today to go into those. One plague yet remains. The destruction of the firstborn. We will look at that at a future time. 
Right now, God reminds Moses, I will bring you out with a strong hand, and I will bring you out in such a way that Pharaoh will, yes, he will push you out. He will drive you away. This one who has held on to you so tightly and has caused such destruction of your families and of your children and has brought such slavery and oppression upon you, that Pharaoh will drive you out of the land. That's what God said to Moses in those first verses. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am Jehovah. I appeared unto Abraham to Isaac and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah I was not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their sojournings, wherein they sojourned. And moreover I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant wherefore say unto the children of Israel I am Jehovah and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you of their bondage I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments and I will take you to be my people And I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am Jehovah your God, who bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you for a heritage. I am Jehovah. We find here God reminding Moses and then Moses would go to the people and remind them of God's promise to Abraham. Reassuring them that he would redeem them from the bondage and oppression of Egypt. Take them to their promised land. They would become his people. He would become their God. You'll notice as we read through there that he said he would redeem them. What a beautiful word and description in Scripture. It describes for us a person that in other places in Scripture it calls a kinsman redeemer or a kinsman protector. Someone who would be a family champion who would protect and defend and, and provide for his family and those in his family in need. And it would serve several functions. One of the functions would avengement of death. Well, the children of Israel certainly deserved avenging of death, didn't they? For the Pharaoh had commanded the death and slaughter of thousands of innocent babies and children. This family champion would rescue and redeem family from slavery and from bondage. This redeemer would protect and defend family against enemies. 
and on some occasions, this family champion would provide progeny for women whose husbands passed away prior to their having children. A beautiful picture of a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, a family champion, someone who would take care and provide and protect for family. Strong arm. This redeemer, of course, would have to be a family member. Someone from another family couldn't provide on behalf of someone else's family. He would provide for his family. So it had to be someone who was a close relative of the one needing redemption. It had to be someone who had the ability to redeem had the ability to take someone in slavery and in bondage and and to redeem them and to bring them out and restore them back to their land and property again. It had to be someone who could finish what they started. This family champion would not only have to have the ability to intervene and to step in on behalf of a family member who needed redemption, but also could complete the task. And bring it to fruition. That picture runs throughout Old Testament scripture. But here we see God using it as a description of himself. For he said, I will redeem you. I will redeem the children of Israel now under bondage under Pharaoh. I will become your redeemer. And we find God setting himself up and promising himself that he would take whatever measures necessary to the fullest extent needed to redeem his people from the oppression and slavery and bondage that they had in Egypt. And we find that God fits that picture The picture that I just described a few moments ago for you. The picture of a redeemer. God fits that description. He's family. You notice he said, I will take you to be my people. You notice that he says to them that he will redeem them. He will take them out of their bondage and he will take them and put them in the land which he had promised to them. And in so doing, as the last plague would come upon them, he would avenge the slaughter that the Pharaoh had brought upon their children. We see God promising that the full extent of his abilities and capabilities he would bring to bear upon this redemption. He would finish what he started. Beautiful picture of God given to us. In this little word, redeem. God said he would redeem his people. And in the process of redeeming them, he would reveal to them himself. And he would make his presence known to them. And he would come down and be with them. And as he revealed himself to them, he revealed his nature and his character. He proved himself transcendent above all things. He revealed himself a gracious God. 
a God who gave unmerited favor to those who could never pay it back despite their conditions. He proved himself a God of mercy, a God of omnipotent power. For as we would read later on, and we will come to it in a future study, in fact, the Pharaoh of Egypt did drive the children of Israel out. Get out! Go, he said. Leave! Just as God had promised. With a strong arm, he took them out, proving his omnipotence. It says here he heard their groans. God not only proved his omnipotence, but he proved his omniscience and his omnipresence. He knew, he heard their cries. He saw the oppression. He said, I've heard your groans and I will redeem you. We see pictured also for us as he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, his wrath upon sin. For he punished Egypt greatly for their sin. God revealed himself to his people and showed himself the strong redeemer. The one capable of taking them out of their bondage and giving to them as he had promised the land for them to live. The pictures for us an even greater redemption. The redemption that Jesus Christ provides for sinners like you and like me. For as we read throughout the Old Testament scriptures and into the New that this would, what God began in the garden with Adam and Eve and promising and making covenant with Abraham as he brought him out from his land of idolatry and we see here God redeeming Israel out of Egypt through that lineage would come the promised champion who would ultimately crush the serpent Jesus Jesus came from the line of Abraham Jesus provides redemption for sinners like you and like me as God provided redemption for the children of Israel from Egypt. The writer of Hebrews describes that for us. I want to read a few verses from there that describe Jesus the Redeemer. The one who would redeem men and women like you and like me from our bondage. From our sin, from our oppression. And provide for us that which he promised beyond physical land. Beyond just the safety of a kingdom. But the very abiding presence of God within us. Ultimately reaching its conclusion and the consummation of all things at the end of the ages. We read about Jesus the Redeemer in Hebrews Chapter 2. Chapter 1 gives us a good description of this Redeemer, Jesus. And the writer carries it on into chapter 2. And we find starting in verse number 14 a description of Jesus that fits and ties in with this picture of God redeeming Israel according to his promise to Abraham. 
drawing them out from Egypt. Here's what we read, starting in verse number 14 of Hebrews chapter 2. It says, I will put my trust in him. Behold, I and the children whom God hath given me, since the children are sharers in flesh and blood, he also himself in like manner partook of the same. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took upon himself human flesh just like you have and I have. Why? That he might be our kinsman redeemer. That he might be our family champion. In order that he might fulfill all that a redeemer had to fulfill in order to protect and provide for his children. He took on flesh that through death he might bring to naught him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver all them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Does that sound familiar from what I just read from Exodus chapter 6? For verily not to angels did he give help, but he gave help to the seed of Abraham. Wherefore it behooved him in all things to be made like unto his brethren, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of his people. God the Son, Jesus became human flesh that he might crush the serpent and destroy him in his works and that he in the process might also provide redemption for people like you and me who lived in bondage well we were like slaves as the children of Israel in Egypt but nonetheless we served sin and lived in bondage to sin and Jesus made redemption for sinners like you and like me that through his work on behalf of people like you and me we might find redemption and release from the bondage of sin and become reconciled once again to the Father. Jesus fulfilled the picture that God demonstrated to Moses and the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand. That gives us a picture of the redemption that Jesus provides for people like you and me. Jesus proved himself faithful as God proved himself faithful. Jesus proved himself omnipotent, omniscient, proved himself gracious, merciful, almighty. All that God displayed to the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt, Jesus has displayed in his life, death, resurrection. What implications do these truths have for you and me today?
We must acknowledge our true condition before God. We must recognize our sinfulness, our need of a Redeemer, our need of a family champion, our need of someone who would rescue us from the bondage of our sinfulness. We cannot accomplish that on our own. No doubt you have tried. Perhaps even lived a whole lifetime trying. And yet you know you have failed. And that little fear niggles at the back of your mind and reminds you from time to time, are you ready to face God? And you have to confess in your blatant honesty, perhaps, no I'm not. We need to recognize our true condition before God. We need to recognize God's plan of redemption. God made provision for people like you and like me, who have doubts and fears in our minds, who have tried to do it on our own and have failed. Jesus became the Redeemer, that he might redeem people like you and me. Jesus said to us very simply, repent and believe. Turn from your sinfulness. Turn from your self-righteousness. Turn from your false attitudes and beliefs towards me, the Redeemer. Trust me. Believe what I accomplished on the cross as for you. And claim it for yourself. Obey my word. Rest upon my presence in you by the Spirit of God to enable you, strengthen you, help you to walk and live a new life free from the bondage of sin Jesus provided that perhaps for you this morning you can say I have found it I have found that true in my life he has rescued me he has turned my life anew and I have found relief from sin and oppression and guilt And I do walk in newness of life with his presence within me. And with you I rejoice because he has done that for me. And I have experienced that in my own life. But maybe someone listening to my voice has never experienced that. Today I would call upon you to trust the Redeemer. Trust the family champion, the one who became flesh like you. Trust him. Jesus is his name. Call upon him in trust and confidence, knowing that he will rescue you, deliver you from your bondage of sin, and place within you a new life To enable you to walk in joy and in release from bondage. I pray that the Spirit of God will come to you today and bring that into reality in your life. And if you have trusted Him, that the Spirit of God will renew you, will revive you, will refresh in you that which He began many days ago. Let's close in prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful picture that you provided for us in your deliverance and rescue according to your promise to Abraham, the children of Israel, from oppression in Egypt. And how that pictures for us what you sent your son Jesus to accomplish on our behalf as individuals. To release us from our bondage to sin. And I would pray for those who have come this morning. And those who will uh, listen to this study at at another time. I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to bring about in us that work of redemption that you have made available through Jesus, your Son. And may we come to experience that freedom and joy that only Jesus can bring through his presence by the Holy Spirit in our lives. I ask these things, Father, in the name of Jesus, your Son, for the honor and glory of your name. Amen.